0: Previously on The Bag Game.
1: They wanted Billy to go to an Adidas school, to an Adidas-branded school.
2: The first question that comes up is, where do you get the charger from? The black market economy of paying players under the table
3: exists because of the NCAA's amateurism rules. Mm-hmm.
0: In 2019, I went with my reporting partner, Mark Schlebaugh, to Orlando, Florida. We were there to meet a guy named Brad Augustine. So what is your normal work week like now?
2: Oh, gosh. Mostly it's in the car. I've got a handful of accounts, so and they're spread out, so Tampa... These
0: days, he works in his father-in-law's flooring business.
2: Porcelain tile, uh, we do do a little bit of wood. The only thing we really don't deal with is carpet.
0: Augustine worked his way up in the world of commercial flooring, from forklift driver to sales rep over two years. But it was a career change for him. And that led to some awkward
2: conversations. It was nerve-wracking the first couple times when people asked me, well, how did you end up in this industry? Like, how are you here? And... It's never something I hid. It's always something I was honest about.
0: He'd tell them the story about how his old life in basketball came to an end.
2: But, you know, telling that story for the first time, you're sweating like, oh my gosh, these people are going to look at me like I'm the worst human being on the planet.
0: And that was why I was there, to have him tell me that story. Hi. We arrived at his spacious home in a gated community in the Orlando suburbs. His wife, Alexa, greeted us along with their newborn daughter and her big sister, a toddler who ran across a playroom of dolls and toys toward the front door. You were silly. Yeah. In his previous life, Augustine was the program director of one of Florida's premier youth basketball programs. Teams like his aren't funded through public schools or rec centers. They're private operations. And Augustine went into debt to support the team.
2: I was $50,000 in debt with not one penny in savings, nothing.
0: Augustine tried getting money from every source he could think of, but he was struggling to keep his head above water. In September 2017, he got a call From Christian Dawkins, a rising sports business manager and aspiring financial advisor. Dawkins had connections at Adidas, and he had helped Augustine raise money in the past.
2: He told me, listen, you need to come to New York and you need to meet my investor, is what he he called her. Her name was Jill.
0: According to Dawkins, Jill Bailey was a tech entrepreneur with money to burn who wanted to get into the sports business. Dawkins wanted her to meet Augustine to prove to her he had connections to up-and-coming athletes. If Augustine talked the talk in front of Bailey, Dawkins promised to pull strings at Adidas to get money for Augustine's team.
2: So I told my wife, I said, "I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to the airport.
0: Augustine got to New York and checked into his hotel that night.
2: I'm an early riser. I always have been. I'm up around 5 o'clock. So I'm up in the hotel room about 5, 5.30. And I get a weird phone call. And I'm like, who's this? And the person on the other end of the phone says, This is so-and-so with the FBI. We know you're in New York City. You need to turn yourself in. Now, at this point, I'm not even thinking twice. I literally, I've got the funniest friends, so they prank call me all the time. And I hung up.
0: Unfazed, Augustine made his way to the W Hotel in Times Square where the meeting with Dawkins and the tech entrepreneur, Jill Bailey, was supposed to happen.
2: So I get to the W at 7.30. We're supposed to meet at 8. So I'm there at 7.30. I got the laptop fired up. I'm making phone calls. I'm just reading the news. 7.45. I'm calling Christian. Nothing's happening. 8 o'clock. Nothing. So now it's 9 o'clock. And now I'm pissed, right? I flew up here for this meeting. This guy's not even calling me back. He's totally ghosting me.
0: Augustine decided he'd waited long enough and left the hotel.
2: And I'm standing right in the middle of Times Square, just just circles of people around me, and the lights are all lit up, and all of a sudden my phone just starts pinging. Notification after notification after notification. So I swipe the first notification I see, and it opens up a tweet, and it says, United States of America versus Jonathan Bradley Augustine.
0: Augustine had just been criminally charged by the U.S. Department of Justice, and he found out about it through a tweet.
2: I had to have sat there for two minutes just staring at my phone. I didn't move. I don't know if I took a breath. I was so confused. And then I think somebody bumped into me, and I just snapped out of it. And I started scrolling, and I see <laughs> I see four felony counts. And so in that moment, before I did anything, I called my wife. I said, hey, babe. I have no idea what's going on right now, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get arrested today.
0: Brad Augustine didn't know the full story yet, but he had been implicated in one of college basketball's most dramatic pay-for-play scandals, the same one that ensnared Billy Preston.
3: Department of Justice has brought charges in a wide range in college basketball bribery and fraud, NMRC, including four NMRC. assistant coaches. Charges in a bribery charges scheme. Charges come after a sting a...
4: operation involving wiretaps and a previously convicted financial advisor cooperating with the government.
0: This marked the end of Augustine's career and would lead to him being called the most dangerous man in college basketball. From ESPN and 30 for 30 podcasts, I'm Paula Levine, and this is The Bag Game. Episode 3, The Sting.
2: sting
0: In the first two episodes, we focused on Billy Preston a basketball player benched at the University of Kansas after his car accident got the attention of the NCAA. Billy left Kansas to play in Bosnia, and we'll return to him later. But right now, let's shift the focus to Brad Augustine, because Augustine's story takes us inside the big-money world of youth basketball. If you pull the thread on pay-to-play schemes... You'll often find youth teams at the source. Long before he was in the sights of the Justice Department, Brad Augustine grew up in Orlando and went on to play basketball in college.
2: Um, at Southeastern University, had an opportunity then to go overseas. Only played about a half a season; wasn't for me.
0: But Augustine wasn't ready to give up on basketball. So he returned to Florida and became a trainer.
2: I had a really good name in the state of Florida, Training. I mean, I would argue at one point that I was the premier guy to go to. If you were an elite player, you were going to search me out for training.
0: In 2012, one of the players Augustine had trained went pro. And he offered Augustine money to start a youth basketball team. That was the beginning of what was then called Showtime Hoops.
2: We were known for just being the hardest working, toughest group.
0: The team was part of the Amateur Athletic Union, or AAU, same as T.J. Gasnola's team, the New England Players. As Showtime Hoops established itself, Augustine spent more and more of his time figuring out how to pay for the program.
2: As I quickly realized, boy, it costs a lot of money to do AAU right.
0: That's because AAU teams travel to tournaments all around the country.
2: You're traveling a minimum of 30 kids, a coach or two coaches, so you're renting 15-passenger vans. You're you're getting hotels. You know these kids aren't getting sent with any money, so so you're at McDonald's, or you're at Wendy's, or you're at Waffle House where you can get the biggest bang for your buck, or you're ordering pizza. Um, and man, it's a lot to balance.
0: These were 15 to 17-year-old kids. They eat a lot. Some of the players' families helped to pay for the team's costs, but most weren't able to. Augustine had money from his backer in the NBA, but he was also taking on tens of thousands of dollars in personal credit card debt. His wife, Alexa, felt the impact.
1: I was enough removed to, to see the destruction that could come from the irresponsibility with our finances. Um, I think Brad was a little too entrenched in it, and he's a he's a visionary, and he's a cup-half-full person. Alexa was herself a former college
0: player at Florida State. She'd considered her own pro career overseas, but she stayed in Florida and ended up working in an athletic program at a local high school.
1: I kind of felt like a single mom for a lot of time. I I was... Working a full-time job, most nights um, he wasn't there. He was either traveling or driving, helping pick up a player, drop a player off, take him to get books for school, whatever that entailed. Augustine
0: knew the only way to keep Showtime Hoops going was to get sponsored by one of the apparel companies and play in their circuit.
5: And with that, that's shoes, that's apparel... That's travel. That's all of the bells and whistles that come with being a part of Nike or Adidas or Under Armour.
0: That's Myron Medcalf, who covers college basketball and recruiting for ESPN.
5: You know, I've been to events where, you know, you look on the sideline and, and there are five boxes of shoes per kid because these companies just giving them that. but The kid flew first class maybe to get there.
0: For the companies, it's an investment. Some of these kids are going to go pro and brands want to establish a relationship.
5: At the top, in terms of those deals, are the shoe companies hoping that they'll land the next LeBron. So they're fueling, putting a lot of money into making sure these tournaments are top notch, and they are.
0: To get your program on one of the top flight circuits, you need to have the kind of talent that attracts national attention. Augustine had a promising young guard named Nasir Little.
5: Getting out to Nasir Little, and he continues to impress as he has.
2: Unbelievable family, unbelievable young man. He was our motor.
5: Take the bump, the contact. He's got a grown man body already. He's, He's already prepared for college basketball physically.
0: Today, Little plays in the NBA for the Trailblazers, but at the time, he was Showtime Hoops' star. Augustine made a connection with a rep from Under Armour, And his pitch was simple. Give us a shot.
2: I don't want any money. I don't want anything. Just give us an opportunity. Just give us an opportunity. Let us get on the circuit. In
0: 2016, Augustine's team competed on the Under Armour
2: circuit. We lost every single game on the Under Armour circuit. And you want to talk about showing up to a tournament and having these guys look at you like, you sold me a bag of goods, you guys are terrible. And now not only that, now we're not traveling to Georgia. I'm having now to buy flights, right? So now I'm flying a whole team to Indianapolis, to New York. You ever tried to rent two 15-passenger vans in New York City? You know how expensive that is? So, you know, we're just scraping by. And at the end of that season, I just remember I felt so defeated because, I mean, we had failed on the biggest stage.
0: It was at this moment, when things were particularly bleak, that Augustine made a friend.
2: I ended up getting connected to a guy who I was told, like, just had the juice. And somebody got me in a meeting and said, meet this guy, if you think your program's that good, sell this guy and you may may figure it out. And, uh, And that was Christian Dawkins.
0: What was your first impression of Christian?
2: Very bright, very direct, very intelligent. Understood the landscape, was clearly knowledgeable, was clearly tied in, clearly had influence. No BS.
0: To understand Christian Dawkins is to understand the complex way that under-the-table money works its way into the system. Here's Dawkins talking in an interview on YouTube about how he got started in the business.
5: Once you're around towns People who are worth money to to entities and businesses, I mean, people figured out that I could be, you know, beneficial to their businesses, and, and it kind of blossomed from there.
0: Dawkins had been working as what's known as a runner for a prominent agent who paid him to recruit young basketball players with pro potential. But around the time of his meeting with Augustine, Dawkins had a new plan. He wanted to start his own financial advisor business. He would steer kids to particular schools and then take the athletes on as paying clients once they turned pro. Here's Myron Medcalf again.
5: Christian Dawkins represented himself as someone who could help teams get players, someone who could make moves, someone who could be a go-between to the top talent in America and the top programs in America.
0: Those sorts of claims are often exaggerated. Dawkins needed connections like Augustine to deliver.
5: You better believe about 25% of, of what you hear on the A.U. circuit, because the other 75% is probably BS. And if you're Christian Dawkins, you're trying to figure out, yeah, I want to build these relationships, but I'm also trying to move up the food chain too. And I'm not moving up the food chain without somehow being a, a power player. ...in this business that people can turn to when they want to land top prospects.
0: Understanding the payoff for people like Dawkins is key to understanding the bag game. Sometimes go-betweens like Dawkins would get a fee for recruiting a player for an agent or a shoe company. But that's not a sustaining income. So what's in it for them in the long run... According to Matt Babcock, the former agent we met last episode, it comes down to what's known as a point, or a percentage of an athlete's pro contract.
3: The terminology they, they want a point, which means they want 1% of your agent
2: fees. That, that, that's a very common sort of standard request uh, from AU coaches, handlers, even parents, and I think the guys that have probably done this the most successfully are the guys that have long-lasting relationships with schools, agents, or shoe companies, that they do take those deals and they write it out the long term. So where
0: is that actually written down? Is that, is that in writing anywhere?
2: Probably not. I think a lot of those are just sort of wink-wink type deals.
0: So how often do the players even know this is happening?
3: I'd say in most cases they don't know.
0: So that's the long-term strategy for people like Dawkins. He positioned himself as someone who could deliver top players to agents, apparel companies, and colleges. Augustine and Dawkins frequently talked about where Showtime Hoops players wanted to go to school. See, AAU coaches have a lot of influence on their players' college decisions. College coaches can't just talk to high school players whenever and however they want. The NCAA controls that, so the AAU coach is the go-between.
5: Twenty plus years ago, if you wanted to go and get a top player in America, you went to his high school coach. That's not the case anymore. I mean, you're going to the AAU coach nine times out of ten. So there's there. I mean, they're powerful. If Coach K wants players, he's got to call you. Bill Self has to call you.
0: Augustine helped Dawkins by steering his program's top players toward colleges that wore Adidas, like the University of Miami.
2: I was looking at it like, okay, if the kid's kind of leaning toward Miami, well, we need Adidas to step up, right? If we're going to help the brand, which a five-star kid going to one of your premier schools helps the brand. If he's going to help the brand, I'm going to Christian, and I'm saying, man, like, what's up? Like, we need to be taken care of.
0: Augustine had influence over where his players decided to go to college. And if it worked out, he was hoping to get points on their eventual contracts.
2: For me, it was a long-term play of, okay, Nasir's going to be our first pro, right? That's going to change the game for our program, like because this kid's going to end up signing a shoe contract one day, and we're going to write it into his rider that our program is taken care of through the shoe company.
0: As their relationship grew, Dawkins introduced Augustine to people at Adidas. So just like he had with Under Armour, Augustine asked for a shot, for Showtime Hoops to prove itself, this time on Adidas's gauntlet circuit.
2: Just let us play on the circuit and give us product. Give us jerseys, shoes, bags, and backpacks. I don't want anything else. And, And let me prove myself. And they agreed to it.
0: Augustine seized an opportunity to attend an Adidas director's meeting in Las Vegas early in 2017. That's where shoe company executives and AAU program directors would meet and talk about the year ahead. And it's where Augustine saw how the big apparel companies saw things.
2: You weren't sitting in that room. If you didn't have a player that there's an outside fringe possibility that at some point they were going to be a professional basketball player. And let's be honest, like if we're approaching it from a capitalism standpoint, it's brilliant. How
0: did the shoe company reps communicate that to you? Were, were, they, were they subtle about it or how did they deliver that? I mean, it,
2: it, it was pretty direct. I mean, guys, like we're here for pros. That's what we're here for. If you don't deliver, you're done. You won't be in this room next year. And again, there was nothing, there was no naivete about it. Like, that's what shoe company basketball is. It's not, Nike's not funding a team here in Orlando because they send kids to college. They don't care. They've got four or five kids on their team that could be NBA players at some point. That's the model of their business.
0: Augustine thought this time he did have a guy, Nasir Little, and a strong program and he needed Adidas's money because he was burning through his own.
2: So I would say I probably walked out of that Under Armour year, fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 in credit card debt. My check came in and it had to go to the house and it had to go to the bills and ev- literally whatever was left over went back into the program.
0: Augustine was sinking deeper into debt, but he didn't see any alternative.
2: When you've got 30 young men that are looking at you, it wasn't just like, oh, this is gonna be embarrassing for me if I don't pull this off. It's these kids and these families and these coaches are depending on me to come through. So now to be in that position, whew, I mean, I was, I was terrified.
0: Augustine got the team through most of the season, but with one tournament left in Las Vegas, he was all out of cash. Augustine put all his hope in Christian Dawkins.
2: Christian had been telling me he was gonna get me some money for for about a month, month and a half, and I hadn't got it. But he told me he was gonna get it to me in Las Vegas. And so I said, I need you to be positive about that because I'm gonna fly my team out there and I'm not buying, I can't afford a round trip. So I'm gonna buy one ways.
0: Once there, he got a call from Dawkins inviting him to a meeting with an investor at the Cosmopolitan Hotel.
2: So he calls me and said, hey, we're going to go meet this guy. He's got the money for you. So I remember taking the elevator up to the highest floor you could go on the elevator, stepping off, and then there was another private elevator. We get on that elevator, and we go up to the top floor of the Cosmo. And I remember stepping off, and it was like, something out of like an Ocean's Eleven movie, right? Like, the hallways like, were like velvet walls. I'm like, this is insane. And so we knock on the door, the door opens, and I mean, it was like open doors out to the Vegas skyline, like expansive balcony.
0: Inside the room, Dawkins introduced Augustine to a couple of guys.
2: There was just some young dude in there, uh, with his, like, shirt unbuttoned down to his navel and, like, spiky hair. And that was supposedly his investor. And then uh, Marty, uh, Marty was there as well.
0: Marty was Marty Blazer, a financial advisor from Pittsburgh.
2: We were just shooting the crap, just talking.
0: And then the topic of a player named Balsa Kopravica came up. Kopervika was planning to play for Augustine's team the next season in 2018.
2: Louisville wanted him badly. And so the whole premise was of the meeting was, okay, this guy's gonna give me this money and I'm gonna tell him the kid's going to Louisville. So, you know, we're in there and he's like, okay, yeah, like I'm gonna give you this money. This is for the mom and the family. Mind you, the kid and the mom had no idea what was going on, right? So, but I'm telling these guys, yeah, no, the mom needs this to live. You know, I gotta pay, I got bills that are associated with this kid, you know, whatever
0: the investor with the unbuttoned shirt handed augustine an envelope full of cash
2: and so i remember getting up taking that envelope of money leaving the cosmo and, and that was it
0: how much money was it
2: it was right under 13 grand it was like 12,700 bucks somewhere in there
0: what did you do with the 12,700
2: i i bought us our flights home and the rest just i mean went to recouping expenses i mean by that point like i said we were i was so far in debt our, our whole trip was on my Amex card. So it's paying off my card, trying to get the, the balances down.
0: Augustine had done what he had to do to get his team home. But what he didn't know was that the room at the Cosmo was bugged. The FBI had the whole meeting on video and Dawkins' investor who handed over the cash When Brad Augustine took that envelope of cash and walked out of the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Vegas, he became part of one of the largest bribery scandals in the history of college sports. The feds had set him up. But why? All right, let's do it. I talked with the prosecutors who pursued the case to find out.
4: My name is Ted Discount from... 2012 until 2021, I was an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York.
0: The Southern District is sometimes nicknamed the Sovereign District of New York for its political independence and ability to take on nationally high-profile cases. SDNY is the prosecutor's office that sent ex-Trump attorney Michael Cohen to prison.
4: Former New York uh, Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver. Bernie Madoff. Michael Avenatti. Martha Stewart. Jeffrey Epstein. And then uh, Jillian Maxwell.
0: In 2022, SDNY set its sights on imploded cryptocurrency giant FTX and its founder Sam Bankman-Fried. SDNY started investigating college basketball thanks to Marty Blazer. He's the now-former financial advisor who Augustine met at the Cosmo. Blazer had gotten caught stealing money from clients, mainly professional athletes, and investing it in a number of failed ventures. This included a truly terrible horror movie called A Resurrection. When a client discovered that Blazer had forged his signature to help pay for that, Blazer had to pay him back in part by stealing from his other clients. In 2014, Blazer offered to give the government dirt on college sports as part of a proposed plea bargain. See, Blazer had already been part of a bribery scandal involving college football, and through mutual connections, he knew what Dawkins and others were up to with basketball coaches. Blazer agreed to become an informant to help the feds expose corruption in college basketball.
4: Many investigations start with with a tip, with a bit of information. It was more
3: of a bottom-up than a top-down.
0: This is Andrew Goldstein. At the start of the investigation, Goldstein was chief of the unit handling the case, but he left before the
3: cases went to trial. As we looked at these relationships that Marty Blazer had, and we saw the way that these financial advisors and coaches were operating... Then it struck us, there is some real corruption here. And let's investigate that as hard as we can investigate. And let's see how much of that we can ferret out and figure out who were the wrongdoers there.
0: Blazer told prosecutors about a complicated web of college coaches, apparel companies, financial advisors, grassroots programs, players' family members, and large sums of money. So the Fed started investigating... The bag game. They set up wiretaps and heard a lot, including a conspiracy to get athletes to attend schools sponsored by Adidas. What's going on, brother? Yeah, I'm sorry. This is a phone conversation between an Adidas consultant named Merle Code and Adidas marketing executive James Gatto who we heard about in the last episode. They're talking about Nasir Little, Augustine's star player. So here's
5: the deal. The kid, there's a kid named Nasir Little who's top five or six in the country, who Laranega and those guys really want.
0: Jim Laranega is the head coach of the University of Miami, an Adidas school.
5: The problem is Arizona's offered the kid 150, and we're trying to keep him from going to one of their schools.
0: The University of Arizona is a Nike school.
5: So it was brought to me through Brad and Christian who said, Hey, do you think Jim would be able to keep him at Miami because they really want the kid? And I said, I don't know the answer to that. I'll have to ask Jim if he's willing to do that. I don't know how and what and where and how you know why and blah blah blah. He's got he's gonna
2: he's, he's, he's gonna be a senior, right?
5: Yes, he's a a rising finger.
2: When would they need the money?
0: (laughs) The recorded calls gave government investigators scraps of evidence, stray mentions of names and dollar amounts. But it's not like anyone gets on the phone and explains the whole scheme like some kind of movie villain.
4: When people see wiretaps on on television and in movies, you know there are a bunch of agents sitting around listening to every word and, and the entire story comes comes together um, in practice you 're usually talking about fitting together bits and pieces and snippets of conversation and trying to understand what frequently coded conversations are about
2: and then august twenty fifth the needs to give five grand an account
5: for uh... The, the big kid from Florida that, that, that um Brad Augustine is a guy who Jeff met and, and Marty met and he, he's gonna you know be
2: expecting August 25th 5 grand for the big kid that Will was trying to get.
4: As the picture started to come into focus, it became increasingly clear that what we were listening to was a scheme to make a very large payment to the family of a student athlete in a manner that the scheme participants themselves seemed to understand was highly problematic uh, and, and ultimately illegal.
0: The wiretaps show that the conspirators were trying to cover their tracks, not always successfully here's a call between Dawkins and TJ Gasnola, the Adidas bag man we met in the last episode. In this call, Gasnola is scolding Dawkins for blabbing about the $100,000 they were arranging for a player to go to an Adidas school. I adore you. I -hmm. make the world of you, and I take
5: care of you. That shit right there, I don't talk, like that shit right there gets people in trouble. Mm -hmm. You can say, you can do this, yo. If you go here, I can take care of this. I get that. That's fine.
0: But names and money, you can't do that. Because mm-hmm. I like this guy a lot, and I'm going to help him. Okay, And I brought order back to the situation yesterday. Because God knows there's a bunch of fucking idiots around me. I allow me to do this. So don't shut the fuck up. It's a mm-hmm. The FBI tried to get the conspirators to explain their scheme on the record. Here's Adidas consultant Merle Code again. Laying out the bag game in a meeting with undercover agents.
5: It's a corrupt space as it is, and cheating is cheating. Whether I give you a $1, dollar, a hundred thousand, or I get your mom and dad jobs, it's cheating, right? So, in some form or fashion, North Carolina, Syracuse, and Kentucky, all of the schools are doing something to help get kids. It, it, that's just a part of the space.
0: The FBI also set up a meeting with Christian Dawkins and his business associates on a two-story yacht in a Manhattan marina with undercover agents Jill Bailey and Jeff D'Angelo. The agents were posing as a young, wealthy couple. D'Angelo wore khaki pants, fairy boat shoes, and a sweater tied around his neck. Bailey and D'Angelo were supposedly celebrating their new business venture with Dawkins to pay for top college basketball recruits. They had a duffel bag with tens of thousands of dollars in cash to seal the deal. The FBI agents brought wine and a hidden camera.
5: This is the way to do business, right, I like it. I like it.
0: The conspirators took the money. But later, they started to get a little nervous about Bailey and D'Angelo, their new business partners. In this call... Code and Dawkins are talking about how odd it is that Google doesn't turn up anything on their two investors.
5: Here's what, here's, I'm just going through this shit. Like, I need you and I to protect ourselves, man. And I'm just, I'm saying this just as a guy who's real skeptical about this shit. You you and I need to get some background information on Jeff and this chick. Okay. Like, and I'm just telling you to protect your own ass and where she comes from and where her money comes from. Your name is going to be tied to it. My name is going to be tied to it. And until I feel good about these folks, I don't know. And I'm looking up Jeff D'Angelo. I can't find nothing on him, and that shit is really concerning me.
0: Those misgivings didn't keep Dawkins and Code from continuing to do business with the undercover agents. So, using the recorded phone calls, meetings with undercover agents, and other evidence like emails and text messages, SDNY built a case. Their investigation rolled up guys like Christian Dawkins and TJ Gasnola, as well as Merle Code, James Gatto, and Brad Augustine. The meeting on the top floor of the Cosmo Hotel in Las Vegas was a key piece of the government's evidence. And a side note? It came out years later that one of the FBI agents there that day removed thousands of dollars in government cash from the room safe and lost it playing blackjack at the casino. He eventually pleaded guilty to one misdemeanor count of conversion of government money. The FBI denied all of our interview requests for this series. So, after that Vegas hotel sting... The FBI had Augustine on tape agreeing to steer a player to the University of Louisville in exchange for just under $13,000. A few weeks after Augustine took the money from the meeting in Vegas, he got the call from Dawkins inviting him to New York City to meet his investor, the undercover agent, Jill Bailey. The morning Dawkins and Bailey were supposed to meet with Augustine, the FBI arrested Dawkins in his room at the W Hotel. Which brings us back to Times Square, where Augustine learned he was indicted on Twitter. Back
1: home, his wife Alexa was also getting the news. By the time I get home, my phone is blowing up. Just text after text, phone call after phone call, my phone actually froze And when it finally unfroze, I I answered it. The first person who was calling in was a mutual friend of ours. And at this point, I had no idea what was going on. And I'm so confused. And he's like, just turn on ESPN right now. Let's
5: bring in our basketball insider, Jeff Goodman. And Jeff, when they say the investigation continues, you think, "Uh uh-oh, what else is there? So what else is there?
3: That's exactly what I think, Neil. And we don't know exactly what there's going to be. But what we do know is there's 10 people that have been arrested that could all roll and give other names to the FBI and, and
0: that's what everybody- Augustine didn't know what was happening or why just that he was in trouble first he called Alexa and then he called the FBI to turn himself
2: in and i just sat there and 45 minutes later four guys in suits get off the elevator From there, they took my phone, took my computer, took my backpack, and walked me downstairs. And uh, they handcuffed me and put me in the back of a car. And so I'm sitting in the back of a Crown Vic with my hands cuffed behind my back, with a, a Fed on my left and my right, and two in the front seat. And you know, mind you, they're doing their job, right? Oh, you're going to jail. You're going to prison for 80 years, and you have no idea. You know, you better, you better tell us everything we want to know. And I just remember at one point, like, like laughing, like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what, what, what did I do? And I just remember asking that question over, like, guys, why am I here?
0: Brad Augustine knew it was a violation of NCAA rules to take shoe company money for steering players to certain schools but he had no idea it was a crime. And as the FBI made its arrests in the case, that was a common reaction.
5: When you tell me bribery scandal, like, I imagine a scene from Goodfellas or something like that. I mean, I, I thought the FBI only showed up when, like, the mob was involved.
0: That's ESPN's Myron Medcalf again.
5: Literally, I did, honestly didn't know, like, I didn't know the FBI could get involved with something like college basketball. At these events on the circuit, there's not this sense of evil happening. The FBI made it that. That's not what's happening, man. Of course you know money's exchanging hands, and of course you understand that things are happening that would be NCAA violations. Are they life violations? Everybody's in it, man. If this thing is dirty... We all got mud on us, man. All of us.
0: Coming up in our next episode, prosecutors announced the arrests and outlined the bag game.
3: Coaches at some of the nation's top programs soliciting and accepting cash bribes. There were discussions primarily what's going to be the next shoe to drop. How far is this going to go?
0: And Billy Preston waits to hear his name in the NBA draft. If I was able to play that whole year at KU, it would have been a whole different outcome. That's in the next and final episode of The Bag Game. The Bag Game is based on reporting by me, Paula Levine, and Mark Schlebaugh for ESPN's investigative unit. Senior producer is Matt Frasica. Senior editorial producer is Eve Trow. Line producer is Kath Sankey. Associate producers are Gus Navarro and Megan Coyle. Production assistants are Diamante McKelvey and Isabella Seaman. Archival producers are Megan Coyle and G. Young-Park. Music by Braxton Cook, with additional composition, scoring, and sound design by Hannes Brown.
4: Say what's in your
0: heart, babe. Don't let them tell you who you are. Just trust in me and you'll go by.
3: Don't let them tell you who you are.